Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee, where we discuss the deeper, unanswerable questions of the universe. I'm your host, Joe Holly. Grab some coffee, open your mind, and enjoy the show. So I wake up every day with this idea that how do I just be the best I can be so that when am I time to go? Whenever it is, I tell my young men in the program, I said, look, we don't get to choose when we go. And when we lose people, it hurts. But it's the cycle of life. And so either we want life not to be what it is. The reason life is so valuable is because there's a time when you're not going to be here. Right? The reason I think that life is so, so meaningful is that there will be a day when you're no longer here. And the question is, what legacy do you leave? And I just wanted to make sure that um, I left a legacy in the lives of the people I came in contact with that knew that I was a person trying to be the best. And not be the best in spite of others, but just to be the best at what I was called to do. That was Ashanti Branch, an amazing man who's doing some amazing work in this world. After answering the call of his heart and leaving his lucrative job as an engineer, he decided to start a nonprofit called the Ever Forward Club to provide support to African-American and Latino males in the Oakland area where he is from, helping them to reach their fullest potential. The Ever Forward Club was featured last year in the documentary, The Mask You Live In, which premiered at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival. In 2017, Ashanti was awarded a fellowship from the national organization CBMA, Campaign for Black Male Achievement. In 2019, Ashanti received a fellowship from the Gratitude Networks and was a top three finalist for the LinkedIn Compassionate Award. He's an amazing man who has become a great friend and ally on this journey through life. He continues to show what is possible when we decide to follow our hearts, show up in service of something greater than ourselves, and lead openly and vulnerably. He is a true inspiration to me and so many. I loved our conversation. I hope you do too. Ashanti, what's up, brother? Good morning. Good morning. Good hello. All the time. Yeah, whenever you're listening, I guess, huh? How are you doing? Man, it's been a beautiful morning. I'm glad to get into my office space and just feeling really good. I mean, it's one of those good mornings that uh, after after Father's Day, it's always a rough morning. Some some mornings are rough. No, I don't. You don't? Okay. No, but I my father died before I was born, so oh Father's Day. Some years I can just be like, ah, no big deal. Some years it hits me pretty heavy, just that yeah. lot, that loss or that emptiness. And so, yeah, we'll this, definitely dive deeper into that later yeah. on because that's one of the questions I like to ask people and, <laughs> and kind of your relationship with death. And that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and your story, what you do, the work you bring to the world, because I think it's really amazing as well. And I'll give you an opportunity to kind of share what, you, uh, what your passion is and what you, uh, what you do with your life. Thank you. I'm Ashanti Branch. I'm from Oakland, California. I was raised by a single mother. Uh, I went through a lot of struggles growing up in Oakland in a drug-infested community. Um, but I kind of fought my way through to go to college. Um, went to college being an engineer, wanted to be rich. Because, you know, growing up poor, the, I guess I thought the opposite of poor was rich. So I was like, I mean, what career is going to make me a whole lot of money? Um, and engineering was, I was good at math. So I went to engineering school uh, at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. I graduated in civil engineering, started making big money. And then I realized I'm not happy. 
Mm. Like, what's going on with this? Like, why, why am I not happy first? I thought there was something wrong with me because I thought that I had worked hard on this formula of go to study hard, go to college, get a good job, make a lot of money, live happily ever after. Okay. Five things I can follow that formula. But how was it working for happiness ever after? And then start making big money, living in a fancy little town. I moved, you know, I was like, why, why am I not feeling the all the time happiness? And I think I was finding happiness like Friday around 5 p.m. Happy mm. hour. And seven Working Sunday for the weekend. There it is. That's what it was. And I was like, this is, yeah. I, I worked for happiness ever after. Not happiness on the weekend when I'm funning and gunning in the sun and right? Like yeah. that's not, and I realized that something was missing. And I just, you know, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something wrong with me, but I um, started tutoring at this learning center. And uh, at that tutoring turned into this calling on my heart that said, uh, you're supposed to be a teacher. And I'm like, teachers don't make no money. That that's you got the wrong house for that message. You know what I'm saying? Find mm. another vessel to send that message through. And, I was, <laughs> <laughs> and um and lo, lo and behold, it was it was calling me. It was like this idea that and originally I thought I was gonna do it for two years, like go do it out of my get it out of my system, this teaching thing. And mm. uh, that, that was two thousand and two and I haven't looked back. I think I may have looked back a couple of times, but I haven't yeah. gone back, you know. But ultimately every day I get up totally um happy. And so my first year of teaching, I started a program called Ever Forward for young men. Which is a youth development mentoring program where they help young men to talk about what they were going through. And I think what I was building, what I didn't know at the time, I was building what I needed when I was in high school. Like, mm-hmm. Even though I was high academic achieving, I wasn't high social emotional achieving. I wasn't, I had no one to talk to about what I was going through. And so I bottled it up. I sucked, you know, stuffed it. And emotions were, I punched many a walls to deal with the stuff I was dealing with, you know? <laughs> And all the holes in the walls didn't even fix the what I thought I was going to fix to get that energy out. But it was just sadness and fear, and growing up in a community that didn't I didn't feel was caring, loving, supporting, you know. And uh, so anyway, that the journey just took me to that that to that creating that program that I was like trying to fill a gap for young men who I think needed it. And uh, that's how Ever Forward started. So. Uh, we were featured in a documentary in 2015 called The Mask You Live In, which is about masculinity and how the hyper-masculine narrative in America of being a man really hurts our boys starting early on, right? There's a lot of rules from kindergarten and maybe before about what boys can do and what boys can't do. And if you do those things, and there's a lot of names that society will call you. And so that's what, I, what our work is about, is like giving young men that space to be human. Like, man, I see you. Right. I, I don't I don't see how sportsy you are, how nice your shoes are. I don't see, you know, how many push ups you can do, how many phone numbers you can get from girls or whatever. I, I see you. Mm. So, so tell me more about you. And I think that society tells our young men that if you don't got this, this, this and this, if you can't do these things, you're not a real man. And therefore, they constantly like, when are you ever done proving that you're a real man in society? It never right. ends. You never in. You never in. You yeah, can make five babies, ten babies. So. You make have five cars, ten houses. People still say what you don't got. You don't got that. You don't mm. got that. And if you get stuck trying to compare yourself to what other people have, then you you will always be in the hunt. Yeah, there's always something, someone who has more than you. And I, it's crazy because I connect with it. Like literally, my heart right now is like breaking open for the work that you're doing because I think it's the work that the only work that really matters and how we're going to really change the world is by looking within ourselves and. You know, that's part of the reason I walked away from football was I did go, you know, achieve in our society one of the most masculine things you can possibly do, which is play football. 
at the highest level. I was making millions of dollars. I had the nice car. I had the girl. I had, you know, the nice cars. And I was still, like you said, like unhappy. And, you know, I, I was really grateful. And there's a part of me that was like really proud of myself for achieving my, my childhood dream, but it wasn't fulfilling the way. And it, it got to a point where I got there, but I was always constantly working for more, working for more. And I realized like, when does it end? Yeah. And then I felt that calling. So you talked earlier about that calling of, you know, one of the first questions I ask people on this podcast is like, what's the purpose of life? And yeah. what's the purpose of existence? And while we're here and, and, and our personal purpose. And I feel like everybody has kind of a soul's calling. And I felt a call in my heart to walk away from football, even though it was one of the hardest things I had to do. It was not an easy decision. I'm yeah. sure, you know, even though you were talking about you were unhappy and you felt that it was like, it's still a hard decision to walk away from the, everything you've ever known. And I feel like a lot of people really struggle with that. So talk about like that calling you had and where it came from and like, what, what is that feeling deeper within you and yeah. you know, how that relates to your purpose and the purpose of why we're all here. Man, thank you. That was a beautiful uh, question. And I, I think one of the things I realized was that, you know, I grew up raising my siblings. I didn't really have a childhood for the most part. You know, I, I was, um, I, like at seven years old, my uncle said, you're the man of the house. So I started trying to be the man at seven. Like, responsible, like taking care of my siblings, babies, diapers, formula, waking mm. up in the middle of the night, like burping. Like, I, mean, I, was doing, I was raising the kids, right? Um, and so I think that when I became, when I went to engineering to become, like to make all this money, I was like, yeah, I get to be my, take care of myself and have fun. Mm. And I realized that like this teaching thing, when it called me, like I was just tutoring at this learning center. So I was tutoring at this program called Upward Bound, which is really helping like first generation students go to college, right? And so I, I wasn't planning to tutor. My buddy called me. Because remember, Friday nights, I start partying, happy hour. And then Saturday morning, I don't wake up. So he was like, I need a tutor on Saturday morning. I'm like, I don't wake up on Saturday mornings. I don't get up to... <laughs> no, nah, dude, nah. You know too early. <laughs> you, you, you want me somewhere at eight? Like, like if I got to uh-huh. be somewhere at eight o'clock? I don't, I don't, I don't even see it at eight o'clock in the morning. That it just My eyelids are still in there. Mm. Rim mode, whatever. And uh, he was like, he was like, I need some help. I need some help. And so I said, all right, look, I'll give you, I'll give you two, two months to find somebody, like two months. And then literally that first week, I got in there. I'm, you know, I had to drive from my where my fancy place to Oakland, back to Oakland. I'm looking. The students are showing up late. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying, like, you're supposed to be here. You know, I'm not gonna give them too much of a hard time the first week, but I'm, I'm a little irritated, like. Okay, you show up here late and you're in the back goofing off? Like, this is Saturday. Why did you even show up here? Like, yeah. You mean they, they forced you to come? Like, no, you joined this program to help yourself to get here and take care of business. And I was like, why, Shanti, the first week, are you taking this so serious? You're just, mm-hmm. there, to, you're just there for a time period. And on my way home, I was thinking about these four students that were like, giving me the hardest time. And I'm like, okay, just wait till the next time. I know what I'm going to do for them. Like, what are you doing? Why are you plotting against these students trying to help? <laughs> like, you're only going to be here two months. <laughs> and what, what was happening, the seeds of like, this is, this is what fires you up. Mm. Like, this is what fires you up. And I think that it was just those things that were just brewing in my life to say, yeah, this engineering thing, you could keep doing. You could do the engineering thing. You're smart enough to do it. But that's not where you're, that's not where you're needed. Like, I think I was, I felt like teaching called me. I, I never chose to be a teacher. I made the choice to leave engineering to become a teacher, but 
I didn't ever say, I think I want to go and be a teacher. There was a calling on my body. And I can't tell you, the only way I can tell you it felt, I couldn't run from it. Mm-hmm. Like every time I was trying to ignore it, it just kept tapping me. I kept seeing, I mean, Friday night after I come back from some whatever event, what am I watching on TV? Like some teacher movie. Where, where, why am I watching this? <laughs> right? I'm like, stand and deliver the, you know, the, you know, Dead Poets Society, like whatever these movies yeah. are that were out there where you're like, it's calling me and I, and I can't ignore it. And I can, you know, if, if there's an outsider prayer person telling you, you should do this, you should do this. At some point you can tell the person, stop talking to me. I don't want to hear what yeah. you got to say. But what happens when that voice is calling you from inside mm. and you can't run from it? And I think most times people, when the calling happens, whether it's a positive thing for their life or a negative thing, they just try and, you know, take, you know, self-medicate it away. Well, I don't want to think about it. Let me just, let me go back to what I'm used to. And I think you can either get sucked in. And I think that, I think I was so, I was young enough at the time where I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have kids. I didn't have, I, I could leave, my, my salary dropped by 66%. Yeah. Like two thirds of my salary I lost and leaving engineering to become a teacher. That, that doesn't make any sense to anybody who I know. <laughs> it makes no good sense to anybody I know. They're like, you're going to do what to yourself? Mm. Purposely? You're going to purposely put yourself in a position that your mom was in trying to raise these kids with such a little salary that you're trying to, so I realized that I was making a choice that was not just, um, here's a great, noble idea, but this is, is going to be a life-changing idea because I have to now think about money in a way that I never want to ever think about money. And I think that it's not about the money, but it's about what money can do for you. Money can bring you some yeah. comfort and some peace and some, some room to breathe. Yeah, a security you, blanket. So every time you pull that card out, if you don't know that it's going to work because you're like, have enough to buy this food that I need. And been, that feeling was like reminding me of being a kid going to the store with food stamps, you know, like, do I have enough? And being embarrassed when you don't. I feel like coming up right now. Feel that, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for sharing, man. I'm so proud of you, dude. Because I know our society and our culture tells us that what, what it is to be a man and what it is to be successful is, to, is the more you have and you fill these voids within your soul with all this stuff, thinking it's going to lead to happiness. And when you, you know, usually our soul's calling comes up as, as just a little whisper at times. And, it, and like you said, it's like the universe is like putting these, these uh, subliminal advertisings in front of you to be like, this is what you're meant to do. And you're not going right. to really find inner happiness or fulfillment until you go do this because all that other stuff, all that material stuff, is, is going to fade away and you can't bring it with you. Yeah. But what's your purpose? Like, what are you here to do on this planet? And you are obviously, you know, making the hard decision, which I feel like we talked about earlier. A lot of people feel that coming up within them, whether they're stuck in a relationship that's no longer serving them or a job and they feel that calling, but they say, no, no way. And they keep fighting. And I feel like the more they fight it, that, that equals a bit of suffering in their life until they really can find that. And, you know, when you do make the decision like you, like, you're still going against all the cultural norms and societal norms of saying what it is you're supposed to be doing to find happiness, but you're really just connecting with what, what it feels like in your heart, man. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next question of, we're talking about you know the soul's purpose and, and what that whisper's telling you in your heart. Like, where does that come from? Like, what's, what's your definition of God or higher power or interconnectedness or nature or source or whatever you want to call it? Like, where's, 
what's your journey with that? What are your kind of belief systems with that? And, and what's your journey? Like where have those kind of stemmed from? And then share through your own experience how you've connected with that. Yeah. So I was raised in the church, you know, um, my, my grandfather was a pastor. So I think just by being raised, I raised, raised in a place where we and our family believed in God. Like there was a coffee table, always had a Bible on it. There was, um, you know, Sunday morning, we go to church. So I think that early on, I was like, just, I was a Christian by association, <laughs> right? I was like, okay, I got to follow the process. I go. And when I went to college, I was like, you mean, okay, good. It means nobody's waking me up on Sunday morning because all through my life, every Sunday morning, and we were in church all the time. Like it was, my mom is the daughter of the pastor. So we're basically, I'm the grand, I'm the grandson of the pastor. I'm first of all, uh, I'm the janitor on Saturdays to come in and get the church ready for Sunday. That's a little job I had. And then Sunday I have service in the morning and then three o'clock service, sometimes seven o'clock service. And then Monday o'clock, Monday is like Bible study. Wednesday is like prayer meeting. Friday is like choir rehearsal. So I was literally in church all the time. Like I was, <laughs> when I tell people all the time, I some people can understand, but I'm talking about all the time. So when I got to college, I was like, I'm not going ever again. <laughs> I was like, and it wasn't that I did, I wasn't disassociate myself from having a, a relationship with God, but I was like, I got my freedom. I got my time back because it was never, mm. I had a choice. It was never, you get to choose whether you, you go. And, and I don't think that anybody ever said you better believe, but it was almost like if you didn't, you were kind of looked at kind of like, how could you be? Like I sometimes I would ask really hard questions to my grandfather about stuff that didn't make sense, you know? And uh, I think people would be like irritated with me. Uh, but anyway, my belief is I believe in God. And, I, and today after being in college and after a year of trying to escape, my mom would call me every Sunday morning. Are you going to church today? I'm like, you know what time it is, woman? Like, it's like, I just went to sleep two hours ago. Why are you calling me? Stop calling me, right? I'm, I'm free. I'm, I'm an adult. And I think it took for me to, like, be able to walk away because no one was to force me mm. to then say, what do I need in my life to feel like, like, like what, what do I want? What do I want? And I felt like... um more so than that relationship that I have been, have been created for me, the community around me, I then chose that I wanted a relationship with God and I wanted him in my life. And, and I'm a Christian and I believe in, you know, I believe in the God and the son, you know, and son Jesus. And that is, that, that has been my, my journey. And then, you know, when I left college, I came home and started looking for a church. Um, and now I go to a church, a really a young church uh, called The Movement. And, um, mm. and what it has done for me is to be in a place where I feel really, I feel taught, I'm learning and um, I feel, I feel fed spiritually, you know, um, what I, you know, I've been to India, I did a Fulbright there, you know, I got invited to this meditation course and it was the, 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 the flyer the person handed me had this man in a circle with like clouds around it. And he was like, had this long hair wearing this white robe. I'm like, I ain't going to that. Are you crazy? <laughs> right? Because of fear, like, oh, they're trying to get me into something, right? Yeah. And, Talk a little more about that because, you know, I grew up in the Christian faith as well. And I have a very similar story of like going to college and kind of distancing myself and having these deeper questions of like, that, that I feel like I just couldn't get answered at church. It was like blind faith kind of thing. And I was always taught that, you know, Buddhism or meditation or these like Eastern spiritual practices were like the way for the devil to get into your mind and infiltrate your, your system. And like, and that just was really, there's a lot of fear around it. And now as I was able to 
kind of opened my mind and experienced those things. You know, as far as meditation specifically, more of like a mental tool of training the mind, and then it actually opened me up spiritually. Um, talk more about that, and like how your belief yeah. systems kind of changed, and having an open mind to actually explore these different, like, you know, yeah. Oh man, beliefs. I, I remember being in high school when we had to read Siddhartha. The book is called Siddhartha, but it was about the Buddha, and I was like fighting with the teacher. I'm like, I can't read this. You can't, mm. I can't read this. And I went to my my grandfather, and I was like. They making me read this book about the Buddha, and I was like, he was like, "Son, this is for your learning. Don't. It's not for you to change a religion, right?" So he was like, "Oh, it's beautiful it. that he was able yeah. to make that distinction because I feel like sometimes the church creates yeah. such a dogma that it's like fear, like don't let, don't even learn it because if you learn it, then it's going to be a way to manipulate you rather than having an open mind, like let me decide for myself, right?" Absolutely. Well, I remember the first thing he handed the book out, and I read at the back, and I'm like the Buddha, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, my, you know, find enlightenment. I'm like, I'm not reading this. You can't make me read this. I was, and I remember when he said that, I was like, okay, read it, learn it. And so I had that, that initial thing that like, okay, I need to be knowledgeable about what's out there. If I'm going to be really mm. clear about what I believe, I yeah. should at least be knowledgeable about what I don't believe, mm. right? I know I don't believe that in that way, but I believe it like this. So when I was in India, you know, um, the lady handed me that flyer. She said, hey, I want to invite you to this course. I'm like, and it was called, so it's the Art of Living Foundation. It's one of the, one of the largest nonprofits in the world. There's over a million members, probably more than that now. This is 2007. So millions of members around the world. And it is about meditation. It's not about a religion. And some people are really intense around the leader. Right? And the gurus in India get a lot of like, kind of... Uh, Almost idolize them too much. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. my goodness. I mean, it was like, what's going on? And so I was like, Am I being sucked into forcing? No, no one's forcing you to do any of that. Really, I'm the, I was there to literally learn the, the meditation and stuff. And so I remember not going and I ignored her. I tried to not pass by her classroom because I was teaching in India. And she was like, hey, Shanti, she caught me one day at lunch. I was like, oh my gosh, she trapped me. She's like, are you coming to the course? It starts next week. I'm like, yeah, no, not really. Um, she's like, you know, some people think that this is like religion and this is not religion. This is breathing techniques, Sudarshan Kriya, you learn how to meditate. And I was like, meditate? That's even, what's even worse, right? right. Like, and so I just, I, but what happened, she gave me this book by, written by a French man who had come there and done this course. And he talks, you know, so she's like, it's an outside opinion. There's a man from France. You can just read what his experience was. And I really read that book in like two days. And just really the things that he was like, just trying to, he was finding and just peace within himself, calming of his mind like a more open view of the world and just how his presence in the world being present. Oh man, it was, so when I, after I read that book, I was like, okay, I want to try it. Right. Cause it can't hurt. Like I'm not, he didn't, it wasn't about somebody, a religion thing. And he spoke about how he saw people who wanted to touch the guru's feet. And that's for them a very, a very important yeah. thing. And that's their experience, right? That's right. That's and that's right. what's beautiful too, is like, you know, I feel like, prayer and meditation as far as a spiritual practice go hand in hand, right? Prayer yeah. is, is really putting out into the universe or asking God what you kind of are working on or need clarity on or asking yeah. for help. And meditation is an opportunity to sit in stillness and listen to yeah. back and have a conversation, right? Like what is God trying to tell me? And it talks about the, we talked about earlier, like the whisper of the yeah. soul and our purpose coming up. Like if you never really sit in stillness and have an opportunity to be quiet and listen to what that, that fire that's burning within you is, you're just numbing it and trying to keep busy and 
work towards more success to try and like hide from that voice, then you're never going to find that, that, that fulfillment, that equanimity within. So I okay. that's beautiful that you said, and, and it's beautiful that you had an open enough mind because I believe all religions, all belief systems are just trying to make sense of very similar experiences, right? right. It's about that's making right. sense of the divine and a connection to the divine and the interconnectedness between all of us. But what yeah. do we really know, right? Right. We don't really right. know anything. So like having an open mind to hear someone else's beliefs yeah. is really where we need to head towards because none of us actually know the truth and we all have our own experience of what that truth might be. That's but right. as soon as we start saying my beliefs are right, your beliefs are wrong, then that's when conflict happens, divisiveness happens. And then you know, there's been like war and just like a lot of the world's big problems have come from attaching too rigidly to these beliefs. So... And that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is trying to open people's minds to just at least listening to what they got going on. Um, let's move on to yeah. the third question. Yeah. Unless you have, some, you have something else to add? No, I just wanted to say, you know, there, there's a description they gave in my first class that was like, um, your mind is like this a whale sometimes that has been overgrown by weeds, right? Mm. There's a, a whale in the middle of this, this little patio, a bunch of weeds around it. You can see that there's a whale right there. And what this idea of meditation and, and mindfulness helps us to do, and this is what I learned in 2007, before it was like a craze in the U.S. I mean, maybe people, people were doing it in the U.S., but mm. like the, the, where we're at right now with like mainstream now almost. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, for me, it was like, wait, if you can get in there and clean out the weeds of this whale, there is an overflowing of, of water, so like freedom of mm. air, of like abilities that you have not even tapped into. Mm. Like what if right now the only reason you're only getting what you're getting is because you don't have room for anything else because all the mm. weeds are clogging everything else up and it was just that metaphor that really helped me because I had started ever forward in 2004 this is 2007 I'm in India I just started three years ago I don't know what I'm doing starting a nonprofit. I mean, I'm not even trying to start a nonprofit. I'm just mentoring some young men but I mm. knew that I needed more tools like I was a good engineer I was really good at math I have a master's in education what does that mean? you got a human in front of you who don't want to talk to you, who you can see brilliance in and you can't support. And I realized that I needed to sharpen my tools. I needed to have more room. So I had to go clean out some of those weeds. And it was beautiful just to like know that I'm doing this as a way of building my own self for the future. And I, I tell you, it's one of the pivotal moments in my life. So I just wanted to say that. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. That is such an amazing metaphor because it doesn't need to be a woo-woo spiritual practice connection to God. It's really... It's really about finding space within yourself to live a, a more fulfilling, happy life. And even like these big time CEOs and successful people that are still really into this masculine, like achieving success and greatness, like even they are using meditation because it is a tool. Like if you want to achieve greatness, like you have to learn to get to not only get to know your mind, but to train your mind to be an ally rather than to get in the way with all these you know, emotions and stories that can really derail us from what we want to do and what we want to accomplish and what we want to become. There it is. Thank you. Yeah. I love it, man. Okay. Last question. Um, this has been great, by the way, you're you. incredible. This has been an amazing conversation. Uh, we talked about earlier about your, about your dad, um, passing away before you were born. And you know, the third question I like to explore, um, which is another like unanswerable question. And we don't really know if this is where a big piece of, of faith comes in. And I think one, I think it's a beautiful thing because in our culture, it's not really talked about a lot. 
it's kind of hidden from us. It's not very, you know, it's, it's one of the last taboo things and that's death. And the great thing, not the great thing, but the, the beautiful thing about death is that every single human is going to share that experience at one point. Like we are all headed towards that ending. And whether, you know, I like to believe that it's a transition into, um, you know, something else. It's not just, you know, blackness, which when I was a kid, I used to think like when you died, it was just like blackness. And like, I kind of sat with that. And that is fear, you know, a little bit of fear comes up with that. Um, But there's different experiences. Like I've learned a little bit about it and it still is just a belief system and a faith and a trust. Um, But what do you believe, you know, happens when we die and uh, your journey through that? And obviously, you know, you can speak on some, uh, some close people and how you've dealt with death in your life, uh, you know, throughout the journey. Yeah. You know, thank you for the question. Um, so I have a very tough relationship with death. I have a very tough, so I don't actually think I have a, a good answer for what I think happens when I die. Because I think ever since I found out that my, my father, how he died, like I've been pretty much, I mean, and I'm an adult, I'm, a, I'm an adult now. Is that before I was born? But there's, a, there's some wounds there still, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I know that, you know, as a Christian, I believe that, that when it's my time and when it's all ends here on earth, that, that I'm going to be brought up to heaven and to, um, and to, and for eternity. Right. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I believe. I don't even really think I understand a lot of the nuances of, oh, here's a process. And there's a lot of people who have more theologians have like nice knowledge of you're going to be in this rest state and then you go to this state. And I'm like, I don't know any of that. But what I do believe is that my job here on earth, and, and what I told myself when I was in high school, uh, when I was fine, figuring out what I wanted to do for college, I wanted my father, that even though he wasn't here and never had been here in my life, that he would be proud that I was his son. And so I worked, that was my reason, that was my purpose of going to college, that I could, wherever my father, he never, he never like left a legacy to say, hey son, here's what I want you to do. Here's the things I want you to be. Here's how I want you to grow. But I just wanted to make sure that I could make him proud. And so I wake up every day with this idea that how do I just be the best I can be so that when it's my time to go, whenever it is, I tell my young men in the program, I said, look, we don't get to choose when we go. And when we lose people, it hurts. But it's the cycle of life. And so either we want life not to be what it is. The reason life is so valuable is because there's a time when you're not going to be here. Right? The reason I think that life is so, so meaningful is that there will be a day when you're no longer here. And the question is, what legacy do you leave? And I just wanted to make sure that um, I left a legacy in the lives of the people I came in contact with that knew that I was a person trying to be the best. And not be the best in spite of others, but just to be the best at what I was called to do. I believe I was called to help people find liberation from old messages, the ideas of their inabilities, their lack of having a voice. And so I just believe that my relationship with death is is one that is really uh, very delicate in the sense that when somebody dies, I have a hard time. Like I, 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 if I see somebody on Facebook, a friend whose parent or somebody's died, I'm like trying to write a message. I get, I get it, it like takes me forever because I'm like, oh, what, 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 should I, what can I say that doesn't that just you know tries to help and doesn't hurt more and that doesn't and I get I get stuck in it because sometimes I'm I'm so. I'm like, oh, guys, I won't say nothing. No, that's not okay. I'll just put a little heart there. That's not enough. And then I, I just get, so I think for me, death is really challenging. Um, and when my young men who lose people in their life, my job is, I realize my job is just to hold space. 
how can I support you? I don't have any answers. I don't have any reasons. How can I support you? What, 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 do, you, what, what, what do you need from me that I can help you deal with this challenging time? And I think that that's how I hold it. You know, when my, well, I found out my father died, I think I was 12 years old. No, I was no, I was like 11, 10 or 11. Uh, I was doing a project for school for your family tree. I was doing that my father had a heart problem. That's what my mom would always say. Your dad died because of heart problems, right? That's easy to tell a little kid. He had heart problems. His heart stopped beating. Oh, okay. But then when I got older and trying to do this family tree, I'm like, well, what happened to his heart? Was it heart attack, cardiac arrest? It was, but what was the thing? Because I need to look at my own, you know, that's part of my, my DNA. And then she's like, well, if you want me to really tell you? And what she told me was that, you know, it was the 70s. He was smoking weed with some friends. One of the friends thought it wasn't strong enough, so they added something to it. And uh, his heart couldn't handle it. And instead of taking him to the hospital, they took him to my grandmother's house. Like she was supposed to know what to do. And he died in my grandmother's house. When I heard that story, I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, first it was drugs that did it. Second, his friends. And so I began to have a really, first a fear of a, a stay away order for drugs in my life. And I began to have a, a, a very high suspicion of anybody who I thought was possibly a friend. Wow. Those are some deep stories, man. I think that's, and, and so death for me was like, death can be caused by people who actually are supposed to be on your side. Yeah. And so it became difficult to like, how do you, how do you build really tight, close friendships when the story of your father dying by the hands of his friends mm. is like where, you're, where, you're, where your story starts, right? That's all the struggles in my life. Ooh. That's heavy, man. I think, um, wow. I think that's where trust became really tough, you know? Trust, trusting in others. Like not having a father in the home, one. But then your friends could possibly get you killed. So, so my ability to trust was shaken at like 10 years old. And I think that that night, I feel it right now, that night, I just cried the whole night. Like I couldn't even, I don't know when I felt, I just fell asleep crying because I was like, can I trust friends ever? Can you ever trust friends? And, um, and that, is, that is something I still feel to this day. And so I don't feel, I, I, you know, I do have a lot of really good friends, you know, and I, and I try and be a really good friend. And um, I never want to worry about those things, right? But like in the back of my mind, like these seeds, are, I'm trying, I, I try and do work with eradicating those seeds, like stomping them out, pulling those weeds of disbelief that a friend can really just be a friend. Um, trying not to make the story of my father my story. And I think that uh, those are the, just the journey of my life. And I, I just get up every day with this belief that my goal is to leave I told my young man, when it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I, I'm, I'm going to leave here giving everything I got. And no one will ever be able to say that. I may not have been created the biggest organization in the world. I may not have achieved all my goals, but they'll know that I gave everything I had to try and help others. And, um, and that's what I give every day. And even when it gets hard. Hmm. Ashanti, man, you are living it, dude. You are such an inspiration and, and a beacon of light for not only the men that you help every day, but 
I mean, for me and for anybody listening to this, like your ability to, to, to share and be vulnerable um, is really, you know, it gives people permission. And I think that's what we need more in this world is people to open up and, and look deeper into those stories. Like you having the ability to, you know, find the root of that story and know that, you know, if you, you have a problem trusting now a friend instead of attaching to that mistrust, but really being like, where does that, where does that stem from? Oh, it was when I was 10 years old and I was told that I'm not allowed to trust my friends because it could lead to my death. Yeah. And like being able to understand those stories and it's not easy work. I think it's, you know, the work that really matters, like we talked about earlier in the show is really looking within ourselves, questioning where the stories and beliefs about who we are come from. Yeah. And when we can do that and we look inward by quieting our mind and finding stillness, that's when we can really show up and change the world for the better. It's not about changing others, okay. changing their stories or questioning why they act a certain way. It's what, 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 what am I bringing to this? Like, why am I acting this way? Why am I mistrusting this person? It's not because they did something to break my trust. It's because That's I have right. trust issues from this story. <laughs> That's right. So beautiful, That's right. man. I really appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Um, yeah, man, you're, you're a beautiful soul. Like this is, I'm so excited about this, this, this uh, interview, man. This podcast has been great. Um, so the last question, this is a new thing I'm starting to do for awesome. every guest. I'm going to ask, um, you know, off the, off the, the death question, kind of, you know, if you were to die tomorrow or very soon, yeah. what would you want your last words to be? And what would you want people to know? Thank you. I would say, um, I say it to my young men in the program all the time. I say, you know, it's my time to go. I just need you to know that um, I gave everything I had to try and make others better. Like, I don't know that you need to remember what I said, but just remember what I did. And my last words, hopefully, were words of inspiration. Even the young men, when I get on their case, like I, I push them, right? When they're not stepping up, I get on their case. But I hope they knew that I poured into them as much as I could, love and care, respect and um, honor into them. I lifted them up. And at the end of the last words were me having a, I was fussing at them about something that was out of love, right? And I think that that's what I want my last, uh, the words may be, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm here for you, right? Like I'm, imagine that somebody would have heard that last word from me, but if nothing else, I just want them to know what, I think that's a quote that says, people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember what, what, what you made them feel. And I hope that I would have, said the right words and let them know that even that, you know, even if it was a, a Ashanti giving you a, a big forceful bear hug verbally, but it was out of love, you know? And um, I think that's what I wanted to be. I think if I, if I could plan it, I would say, uh, I'm glad I got to live the life that I was meant to live, that I didn't follow the process of chasing money for happiness, that I was able to find the thing that brought me life. Um, there's a quote from Howard Thurman that says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. And I'm glad that I get to live a, a life of being alive fully. Ashanti, I just got goosebumps, brother. Mm. Thank you so much, man. I love you. you. Um, love you and thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being, appreciate being here with you today. Uh, brother, keep showing up and doing the work. Talk soon. Talk soon.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Quantum Coffee. I hope you enjoyed. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me on Instagram at joe.holly or email me at joe.holly.newsletter at gmail.com. That'll all be listed in the show notes. If you have anyone that you'd like to hear on my podcast, reach out, send them my way. Also, if you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks again for all the continued support. So much love and gratitude. Peace.